On Shark Week, the podcast from Discovery Channel, separate shark fact from shark fiction. Could you combine a shark and a human? Does the megalodon have ancestors alive now? With the help of experts in the field, uncover the scientific explanation behind these shark tales. Listen to Shark Week, the podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. And watch Shark Week starting July 7th on Discovery and Max. Who doesn't love a classic chocolate chip cookie? Famous Amos has been making them since the 70s, 1975 to be exact. With semi-sweet chocolate chips and a satisfying crunch, it's everything classic in one bite-sized cookie. And fans couldn't get enough. That's right. You'll find our original recipe the one you know and love, in every bag of Famous Amos original chocolate chip cookies. Find Famous Amos anywhere you buy your favorite snacks. I first started running about 15 years ago as a way to quit smoking. Back then, my running clothes were very Rocky Balboa, so sweatpants, sweatshirt. Anyone who goes hiking or trail running knows that it's a lot easier and a lot more fun when you're wearing the right gear. Jonji makes performance apparel that'll take you farther on your runs and hikes. They have this merino wool hoodie that I wore on multiple trail runs this weekend. It's soft, it's warm, and most importantly, it does not get stinky when you get stinky. Another reason to love Jonji is that they donate 2% of all sales towards clean water projects, raising nearly $1 million so far. Head to jonji.com to find your new favorite trail wear, outdoors accessories, and essentials. And use the code OUTSIDE for 10% off at johnji.com. That's J-A-N-J-I dot com with the code OUTSIDE for 10% off. Look at all these outdoor pictures. That's all I post. Is that... It's too much. Yeah. Wow. Well, how can... <laughs> Sam, what is this? Yeah, that that's that's me. Wow. I wouldn't even be, I looked the, with with all the gear on your face. I wouldn't even be able to tell. How do you know? Are you sure? <laughs> okay, so go to the. What, we do one more, one more, one more picture. There's a close. There's up. a picture. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Wait, which one is you? Uh, well, actually, you guys should probably introduce yourselves first. Oh, I am Maureen. I uh, produce this show. I am Taylor. I also <laughs> produce this show. <laughs> and you are? Yeah, and I'm Sam. I'm the host of Outside In. And okay, and, and to clarify this is a picture of you skiing and we're looking at a picture and you're on the side of a bus yeah yeah okay yeah why are you on a bus i guess we i guess we missed the outrage here we demand explanation sam there's this whole story of how i wound up on the side of a city bus in a town in the very southernmost tip of argentina so are you like famous in argentina uh, that's probably too strong a word. In a very, in one community, people know my face. Okay, so what, why are you on the side of this bus? Well, that's the story we're going to talk about today on Outside In, the story of how my face wound up on the side of a bus in Argentina. But that's not actually the whole story I'm going to tell you today. Yes, you will learn how I got on the side of that bus, but really today is the story of the man who is in second place in that photo. He's a racer named Martin Bianchi, who made a split-second decision that would change the course of his athletic career and his outlook on life.
Bueno, yo estuve en Torino en el año 2006, con 24 años. That's Martín. And what he just said is that when he was 24, he went to the Winter Olympics in Torino, Italy. He's from Ushuaia, which is the southernmost city in the world. It's one of the cities that scientific voyages to Antarctica depart from. Martín grew up at the foot of the Andes and started skiing when he was little. Y mi padre me llevó eh, a lo, al poco tiempo a hacer esquí de fondo. Before long, my dad took me to try cross-country skiing, and I fell in love immediately. Inmediato. He got on skis for the first time when he was nine years old. And by the time he was 14, it was clear he was talented. Argentina's best skier at the time suggested that I should travel to Europe. And he got me a job so that I could sleep and eat and train at the ski center, which was in Spain, the first time that I traveled. For years, he chased the snow. He would spend the northern hemisphere's winters in Spain racing in the mountains of the Pyrenees and then come home and go to school and have another ski season racing in Ushuaia. There are not many cross-country skiers in Argentina, and Martín was very quickly national champion and a local hero. He was a shoe-in for the Olympics, but in 2002, for Salt Lake City, he had a problem. I had to have surgery on my knee. I had an injury. And I decided that wasn't how I wanted to participate after having been injured. So I decided not to go. Today, I think that I made a mistake because I could have been in two Olympics instead of just one. But these are decisions that get made when you're young and haven't had many experiences. So Martin got back on the horse. Another four years of training, four years of working in exchange for room and board, another round of qualification races. And in 2006, at 24, Martin heads to Torino. He had only done well enough to qualify for one race. And out of about 100 competitors, I finished 86th. So I was pretty close to last place. Such is the fate of skiers from countries without any real national teams, coaches, support networks, or competitive race circuits. You spend your whole life training and then wind up 86th. And when he came back, he couldn't quite let go. Back home, Martin was still the best. There was no clear successor. So even though he'd gotten married right before the Olympics and was thinking about having kids, he kept training. There's always something that's calling you back to the trails. At that time, it was that there weren't many athletes behind me. It was like if I quit, there wouldn't be anybody. He got a job teaching phys ed to kindergartners part-time. Well, because in order to train on that level, you have to have a part-time job. It's hard to have a full-time job. I asked him if he could support a family with what he was earning. No, no. So this was the state of things when I met Martin. He was still training like he was going to the Olympics. His life was kind of on hold, but he wasn't going to the Olympics. When I was 22, I was obsessed with cross-country ski racing. I never seriously thought I was going to the Olympics, but I was pretty into it. And at one point, I was ranked pretty well nationally. So in the summer of 2008, I flew to Ushuaia to train. Remember, it's the Southern Hemisphere, so it was their winter. I found a gig helping out at a restaurant that was next to the ski trails down there. I slept above the kitchen, even though the building had no heat and no electricity once the generator that provided it with power went off for the day. I would wash dishes for a few hours in the afternoon, help with any tourists who had stayed for snowshoe tours in the evening, but the rest of the time, I was just skiing. Hours every day. All of that training led up 
to the big event in Ushuaia, a race called the Marcha Blanca. Historically, back before competitive cross-country skiing was all about lycra and the lightweight, narrow skis that require carefully groomed snow, the race used to cross over the spine of the Andes. Today, it's a pretty standard 13-mile ski race that's also kind of a festival. Maybe the best way to understand our cross-country skiing culture in Tierra del Fuego is to go to the Marcha Blanca. Hundreds of people show up to race and to watch the Marcha Blanca, including many who have hardly ever skied and they come wearing costumes. But there are a few competitive racers in the pack. And that is how I found myself on a starting line with Martin Bianchi. Felix, you've got Mint Mobile, right? I do. I've been using it for a couple of years now. Why'd you get it? Because it's just easy. Was it like cheaper? Or I've always seen like the Ryan Reynolds ads and I've been like... Yeah, it's it's ended up cheaper for me. Basically, I don't use a ton of data. Usually I'm at home, so I'm just using Wi-Fi. But when I'm out, yeah. like I don't watch any videos. The most I'm doing is listen to podcasts, which doesn't take a ton of data. Yeah. So Mint Mobile is just like... One of those plans where I can like set it to just, I only need like five gigs a month. And at the end of the day, I only pay 15 bucks a month for it. So it's like the uh, the cell phone plan for people who maybe don't want to spend six hours a day on the subway watching TikToks. I think though it is customizable so that you can like, if that is what you do, they have options for that. I just don't know because like, that's not me. I just like zero in on exactly what my needs are. And I'm like, oh, Mint Mobile uh, can meet my needs for this pretty cheap price. And I go for it. But yeah, I know I know they do have plans with, with more data. For a limited time, all Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase what? a three-month plan. That's like way cheaper than what I'm paying now, just, just to say. I mean, that's what I pay all the time, so... <laughs> Okay, I'm kind of jealous of you. Yeah, so to get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash outside in. That's mintmobile.com slash outside in. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speeds slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Who doesn't love a classic chocolate chip cookie? Famous Amos has been making them since the 70s, 1975 to be exact. With semi-sweet chocolate chips and a satisfying crunch, it's everything classic in one bite-sized cookie. And fans couldn't get enough. That's right. You'll find our original recipe, the one you know and love, in every bag of Famous Amos original chocolate chip cookies. Find Famous Amos anywhere you buy your favorite snacks. Did you know that one in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list? If that's you, make 2024 the year to check it off your list with Babbel. Unlike other language learning apps, Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks, which is something I could definitely use because my French is uh, ha bon, not good. And I really want to go backpacking in Quebec this fall. Babbel can help with asking for directions, where the best coffee shop is, the best brewery. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, 
get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash outside in. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash outside in. Spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash outside in. Rules and restrictions may apply. The race immediately separated into a pack of five skiers, and then four, and then after just a few minutes, there were only three of us. Martin Bianchi, Federico Cicero, a skier who would later go on to race in Sochi, and me. Now, the course of the Marcha Blanca is a single 21-kilometer loop. It weaves in and out of the forest, but the majority of it travels over big, open plains of frozen peat moss. And all throughout those forests in frozen bogs, there's a hidden hazard lurking. In those particular years, we were experiencing a plague. The beaver. That's right, beavers. Beavers were brought here in 1946 for, for hats and clothing. And later, when that didn't work out, they had the bright idea of just letting them go. And when they released the 10 pairs of beavers that there were at the time, they bred and populated the entire island. Now they estimate there are over 90,000 beavers. Beavers, in Tierra del Fuego, are an invasive species. How about that? And it has an impact on the ski trails. Often, they simply build up a dam and flood the trail. So we have to do a lot of beaver control. And back then, they weren't doing it. So we're skiing along, traipsing across snow-covered peat moss and beaver bogs, and within the group, things were pretty tight. Well, if I remember right, we were trading off who was leading as we went, and I knew in that moment that I could win. Because we were about on par with each other, and I had faith that in the final big climb, I could get some distance on you. But I got a big surprise, and I'm being sincere here, Sam, that before that climb, which they call the Subida de los Acheros, I couldn't pass you. And so I climbed the hill behind you without being able to pass you, going maybe a little slower than I would have liked to go, because generally I'm good at going uphill. When we got to the top of the climb, we had to turn sharply to the right and go downhill. And this downhill ended by going over a beaver bog, much to your surprise. The ski tracks, which you normally get into the tracks when you go down a hill, the tracks went over a beaver dam over a part which rose up because of a rock. And the track-setting machine had passed over that, so the tracks weren't level, and they sort of threw you into a jump. This downhill was very fast. It was short, but very steep. And when we finished the climb and started to go down, we got into the tracks. I looked ahead and saw that the tracks went over a rock, and I immediately realized there was a jump there. And there, Still ahead of me, you hit the rock and went off the jump. Without meaning to. You were knocked off balance and you went off the trail. And I passed you. I was able to avoid and go around you. And it was in that moment that I said, well, that's it. It's over. 
I passed you with all the speed from this downhill slope. So right there, I took 15, 20 meters from you, easy. And you still had to make your way back onto the trail and regain your momentum. So I had this fantastic opportunity to go, to keep hammering and leave you behind. But to tell you the truth, something happened in my head that told me this wasn't right. You had climbed the hill well, you had done the downhill well. The only thing is that you hadn't noticed that the trail had a jump in it. A thing that shouldn't have been there. And it was because of that jump that you went off the trail, you lost all your momentum. And to me, the right thing to do seemed to be to wait for you. I didn't fall, but I was standing way off the trail with deep, heavy, powdery snow up to my knees or so. And I remember my heart just sinking into my stomach. We were not far from the finish, and I was almost positive that the race was over. But then I looked over, and I saw that Martin had slowed down. As he glided past, he looked back over his shoulder, and I heard him call out. I flailed my way out of the powder and frantically skied back up the hill trying to catch Martin. Given how slow he was going, it didn't take long before the racing came back together and it was nip and tuck again. The rest of the event was a bit of a blur. Right before the finish, our race merged into the trail being used by the more popular event with people skiing in costumes. We were sprinting, dodging people left and right. You were shouting, I was shouting. It was a mess. When there were just 500 meters left, this I remember. I was pretty tired. And I saw you with this drive, this energy. That's when I realized you were going to beat me. And I did. For me, that was the end of the story. I won a race, they gave me a trophy, I went home, and having won the National Ski Championship of Argentina was an eccentric biographical detail that I could share at parties. But then, years later, an email arrives in my inbox from Martin. It turns out there was something else that happened that day, something I had completely forgotten. After the race, I came up to him. And you asked me, you came up to me and you asked, Martin, you waited for me when I fell? I said, yeah, sure, Sam. I waited because I wanted us to have a clear winner. And we left it at that. But later, when we're at the award ceremony, you tried to give me the cup, the trophy. I said, no, you keep it. And at that moment, there was someone from the Argentine Olympic Committee at the ceremony. He asked me why you had tried to give me the trophy, and I told him what had happened. I told him the whole story. And for that year, 2008, they decided that the most exemplary gesture of sportsmanship in all of Argentina was this situation that happened in the Marcha Blanca. So they invited me to Buenos Aires for a dinner, a very big deal, a gala banquet, and they gave me a prize in front of all of the Olympic medalists from Argentina. This included the Argentine soccer team, who had won the gold medal in Beijing that year. Just imagine, this would be like standing up in front of a room full of people like LeBron James and Kobe Bryant, all the most famous athletes in the country. He met his country's equivalent 
of Bob Costas, the Olympics host for NBC, and had an article written about him in the country's biggest newspaper. Bueno, fue un muy grato recuerdo. This was one of my best memories. So this race is going to stay with me for the rest of my life. And after getting this prize, I think it was kind of like a signal that things were all right, that I could retire, that I had done enough. I had left enough of a mark on the sport. Now, when Martin races, he does it for fun. Today he has three kids, a job in the Ministry of Tourism, which pays much better than a part-time phys ed teacher. He's hung up his commitment to ski racing, but not his love for it. The next year, just to give you an idea, in 2009, I did the Mancha Blanca in the Tiger costume. I went from having been on the podium with you, second place, to the next year putting on a Tiger costume and skiing the race together with my wife. That was how I ended my racing career. And yes, years later, a photo of us together at the front of that race was plastered all over the side of a city bus. Outside In was produced this week by me, Sam Evans-Brown, and Logan Shannon, with help from Maureen McMurray, Taylor Quimby, Molly Donahue, and Jimmy Gutierrez. A special thanks this week to Martin Bianchi for taking the trouble to connect with us from the far end of another continent, and to Luis Antonio Perez for helping out with the Spanish translation and being Martin's voice in English. If you head over to our website, outsideinradio.org, you can see the infamous photos on the side of the city bus. And if you follow us on Instagram or Twitter, at Outside In Radio, you can see what shenanigans we're getting up to these days. Our theme music is by Breakmaster Cylinder. Additional music today by Blue Dot Sessions, Poddington Bear, and Tyler Gibbons. I'm Sam Evans-Brown. Outside In is a production of New Hampshire Public Radio. love a classic chocolate chip cookie. Famous Amos has been making them since the 70s, 1975 to be exact. With semi-sweet chocolate chips and a satisfying crunch, it's everything classic in one bite-sized cookie. And fans couldn't get enough. That's right. You'll find our original recipe, the one you know and love, in every bag of Famous Amos original chocolate chip cookies. Find Famous Amos anywhere you buy your favorite snacks. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus is central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions.